understood from my masters is that the journey of meditation is to ultimately come to this point of wisdom the point of clear right understanding he emphasized a lot on proper guidance proper practice and proper understanding if any of this is missing then the journey will not somehow bring the right fruit and uh, when i talk about proper understanding it is also important to understand that meditation is not just the technique actually meditation is not technique even we heard from sadguru yesterday a technique is a device a tool meditation we cannot do it's a consequence it happens it may happen it may not happen sometimes it's also in spite of all our efforts and all our sincerity maybe that space of meditation doesn't happen so that doesn't mean we complain about it or we go into tension about it but we accept it also as a grace I would like to share a beautiful story of Swami Rama. And if you ever get a chance he had he has one of his books is very well known here also in the west. I think it's called the Himalayan Masters. And he was a great yogi of India. And there is a story when he was a young boy of 14 15 years old. He was under a training with his spiritual master. somewhere at the banks of river ganges i believe in haridwar rishikesh or banaras i don't know exactly so and he had his daily routine practice serving the guru taking care of the ashram cleaning this that and his personal sadhana practices suddenly at one day he went to his guru and he told the guru that gurudev you had told me that at the age of 11 or so i would have a glimpse of samadhi hmm? it is called satori this experience of the glimpse of samadhi in sanskrit is called satori so swami rama as a young boy told his guru that you told me that at the age of 11 satori would happen to you but now suddenly i remember i'm 14 and it hasn't happened so so what what is wrong you know because you promised me it will happen and uh, now i wasted all these 14 years so the guru told him that you are a, you are really an idiot <laughs> so swami rama felt very hurt 
So he said, okay, Gurudev, then I'm, I think it's not worth spending any more time here. It's not even worth living, so I'm going to jump in the Ganges. Ganga, the river Ganga. So he said, I'm going to jump in river Ganga. So Guru said, okay, go ahead. Make sure you tie a big rock with you. <laughs> so that there is no chance of you surviving. So Swami Rama rushed to the door and just when he reached the door, the Guru called him back. He said, come here, you idiot. And as he came, he used to sit down. And then Guru touched his third eye like this. In our tradition, it is called Shakti Path. And the moment Guru touched here, he immediately had that experience of Satori, which the Guru had promised him. And for many, I guess, minutes or hours, he was in that. So Satori, remember, is the only a glimpse. It is not the permanent state of Samadhi. It is just that first glimpse and that kind of, it is understood that encourages the seeker to forget everything else and go for that ultimate goal of Samadhi. So Satori is just a momentary glimpse experience. So when he came out of that, then he went to the Guru again. He said, Gurudev, now I'm more confused. Because you told me that it was supposed to be happening at the age of 11. But even until 14, it didn't happen. So did I waste all my years? And uh, if it was not my waiting for 11 or 14 years, that would have brought me that experience. But was your touch, which actually brought that. So then you could have touched me many years ago. <laughs> Why you made me wait till 14? So I'm, I don't know, what is it? Is it the touch or is it my patience of 14 years? What has really worked here? And Guru said, you are really an idiot. <laughs> but he said, look, my son, it is none of this. It is grace, Kripa. And only in the hands of grace is the result. If you watch carefully what Gurudev was saying, that if you remain in this self-remembrance, practice of self-remembrance, 90% work is done. He said 90%. Mm -hmm. Remember? He didn't say 100%. Because in spirituality, there is no 100% guarantee. If the real guru, if you come across a real guru, he will never tell you, do this and 100% it will happen. Then I think you should get out of there immediately. A true guru will never give you that guarantee. Because that's exactly not how it is supposed to be. He said 90% it is in your hands, 10% is in his hands. That is grace. Now when that happens, nobody knows. That's exactly like buying the lottery. Whether you will win or not, it's not in our hands. But buying is necessary. So. Why I'm explaining this, this is that especially in the West and of course in the East also now because you know everything is polluted. The idea of doership 
is so strong that yes i can do this and if i do this i will achieve this and it has the result has to come and blah blah blah, blah, blah you know so the idea of doership is very strong of course it has brought a lot of materialistic progress because the doership like yes yes we can build this cable car all the way to that mountain <laughs> And that's what Swiss are great in, you know, they reach, they reach everywhere where nobody can reach. Fantastic, I love that. But at the same time, in this area, different rules apply. So, doership is needed because there is a certain persistence, certain sincerity, certain discipline is needed. But again, at the end of the day, leaving it in the hands of existence. In the hands of grace let the grace take care and for that immense patience is required in our tradition we say patience of 108 lives see again 108 <laughs> see that figure we never say 107 or 109 it's always 108 for whatever mysterious reasons so my friends please you know, let your journey continue, let your journey deepen and do it all with all your energy, you know, vigorously, intensely. Not being serious also, again, very important. <laughs> I'm passing on everything that I've learned and understood from my masters. Very important not to be serious because when, you, when we are serious, we become, we become like a rock. So, if we remain like a rock, then the only possibility is to put dynamite. <laughs> but if we are like water, so what is the nature of water? If you put water in this cup, it takes the shape of that cup. If you put it in a bigger glass or a bucket, the water takes shape of that. And ultimately, one has to become like air. Yeah, see, when you hit a rock, there is a sound. Yeah, small, depending on how strongly you hit. So that means there is a, there is a reaction. If you hit a water, there is sound, but nothing happens to the water. It again comes back. For a while it goes away and it comes back. So less reaction. If you hit in the air, Thing happens. So we have to become like air. The journey of meditation is to become like this, space, spacious. Then nothing will touch us. Things can go up and down outside, but if our meditation has been really genuine, sincere, then we'll become like this space. And this space is not like this space is only limited in this room. The space in the room and the space outside the room is the same. Only the wall is creating this idea of a shape. So, remember, lot of patience. Second thing is that, always remember that meditation is not something you only do in the room and then outside you can do anything. It must continue in day to day. The consciousness and the approach of consciousness and awareness must continue 24 hours. Otherwise, it's, uh, 
I don't know how to explain what is the right analogy. And that what like you can see the life, the situations, the surrounding around you. So let's say if you meditated here and you go back to your room. So what happens in meditation, in the technique, when I say meditation, please understand it's the technique, that certain things are getting realigned in the system. Certain things are getting organized. They are getting in a harmony. So we are trying to bring the inner into a certain harmony. So it should reflect in the life outside also, in your surrounding outside also. Now let's say if you brought the harmony and a certain organization within, but your room, your room is a mess. There's no place to stand and things are always scattered. I think if you have really tried to harmonize something inside, you will automatically feel that the outside doesn't have the same harmony and it must change. With Gurudev, I've seen that. He, when I used to go to his room, my God, even Swiss precision is nothing. <laughs> there are two people who know what I'm talking about here. Everything was so in its place and not like fancy or not exclusive or not like, okay, this is made in America, or this is made in... No, no, very ordinary things. A simple bed in the corner, a little clock, a little table. But even on this table, you know, if there is, let's say, a few things, it will be not like, okay, like this and like this, and, you know. No, no, if this was there, then it would be exactly like this. And then this had a place and, and this. You would feel a certain harmony in everything around him also. And that was not like it was an effort for him. It was natural. It was simply a reflection of... Even I remember sometimes when I was working with him, he would make me draft an email or something. So I would just draft. Okay, Gurudev here said, no, no. You bring your computer, we sit down. And a little email of 10 sentences, he would take two hours to really write in a certain way. But then, when, then after two hours when I would read that, I would like, wow, this is completely different than what I had brought. So it is important that you, you also become aware of things outside also. It's not that you just meditate and your outer life is in complete chaos. I will share you an example. Uh, once I was invited for a, in a yoga festival in Denmark to play music, to you know, do mantras and kirtans. So the person picked us up from the airport and we were going in his car to the venue, which was like two hour journey. So we were talking and so he was asking about me. So we, I was telling a little bit about Osho and Gurudev and everything. And then he said that he has been in touch with some Zen masters. And uh, every year he does a three month silence. Three months of silence. He goes to some Zen monastery somewhere in Europe. So I was also amazed because I know what it takes. I had only done once 21 days of silence, like a proper 21 days, not this. The one which happens in Gurudev's retreats, 21 days, is very subtle, meaning because there is a lot of group activities. The actual 21 days is more intense. Some other day I will talk about it. So I, I had a lot of 
Like, wow, this person has done three months silence every month. Uh, every year, every year, three months. But then, while we were talking, I was observing his car. <laughs> and you could not believe it, guys. Like, you know, you know, in cars, sometimes there are the slots to put things. Every possible slot on the side, in the front, in the back was filled with papers, bills, and you know, brochure, like, like this, not properly, like, okay, here is, no, like, now you throw things, but because there is no dustbin, you squeeze it in these spaces. There was possibly no place to put anything. Empty bottles. Empty bottles. Coffee. Uh, you no know, coffee. And I thought, like, Three months of silence every year, and this is the situation of your car. <laughs> Something is wrong here. So that's why, you see, proper guidance, I said in the beginning. The guidance that I got was this, that Manish, if you are meditating, but if your outer life is chaos, then your meditation is no, not been worth a penny. You wasted all your time. And you will see, you will see when you start applying this, when you start practicing this, something will change. And you don't have to say a single word to anybody, but people around you will feel it, that there is something different here. There is, the moment somebody will enter your space, he will be taken aback a little bit. So it's important that meditation continues outside also. Another example, because I teach music in Gosa, so many times I have students from, from different backgrounds and a lot of them are sometimes yoga teachers also. And teaching yoga for many years. But many times they forget to pay. They would buy a harmonium, take home and forget to pay. So, you know, I, okay, I accept that sometimes people forget. But there is a difference here. See, yoga is the approach of consciousness. So if, if I have a student who is just an IT guy and maybe he forgets, okay. But a yoga teacher who is trying to help the others, is, if he is also not able to bring this much little consciousness, that look, I owe this person this money and I am supposed to pay it. This little thing, it doesn't require any meditation really. <laughs> so then the question comes that then what, what is that yoga doing to this person? So again, it is very important for all of us. I'm also on a path like you. So I'm not like somewhere up there. But it is important that when these little things, when you bring consciousness to these little things, it really helps. Alam Brahmasmi